welcome to Terragard, a world of adventure. Atos, come and face me! Of heroes. Elroy, jump! Of battle. Welcome to Terragard Tales, Season 1, The Lunar Sundering, The Grummerand, Part 1, written and narrated by D.S. Tierney. Recitation 1. The voice is the conduit to the heart. The heart is the beating drum. The will is the iron force of the desire. The innocent are the price to pay for all. Sal Norens, the western jewel of the Decrow Empire, crowned by the Grand Towers, circled by the living rivers. Once, it was an architectural marvel, a beacon of magnificence, showing how a nomadic people could rise above their station, reduced now to a smoldering ruin that would have been beautiful if not so absolute in its devastation. Of the thirty grand towers, only four remained, huddled beneath domes of red fire conjured by keepers sworn to protect what little was left. Fragments of moon rock, small enough to rest in the palm of a hand, strike the protective domes with rhythmic regularity cascading ripples of mystic fire along the curvature. The larger pieces came before, devastating the world, burning it until the skies turned black and cried tears of ash. Scarab stepped onto the wooden balcony, hands clasped behind his back. The Tower of Fansor was not his by birthright. Nothing in the Decrow Empire passed through birth. He took it from a warlock of considerable power, tearing the key from his twitching hand as a simple meridian spell choked the life from him. The sounds of that dying warlock were eerily similar to that of a plague in the street below. Molten fire had melted the onyx stone street, and the fool stepped into it. As it solidified, it left him half buried in an agonizing vice of death. He had been about the business of his dying for several days now. Scarp wished he would be quicker. Of the other grand towers, only the faint outline of Ja Urso, sitting amidst the ash storm, could be seen. The occasional flash of red fire, lighting distant pillars of smoke, signaled the survival of Torgunta in Bastolin. A blue torch flickered from the high balcony of Ja Urso. A message from the keeper. A warrior cultist named Huber? Scarab didn't remember, because he cared nothing for the man. The mystic fire protecting them was dying, and they needed assistance. Huber's failure was revealing that weakness. There was no groundwork of loyalty or fraternity between them, making the choice to weaken Huber's shield easy. Survival in these trying times was paramount and Scarab read the latest report on food stores. Grim tidings. 
sacrifices of a much larger scale would need to be made. Holding the first two fingers of his left hand in a horizontal V, Scarp slashed the air between them and chanted, Anto Yurub! Anto Yurub! Hiding behind the excuse of rations didn't sit well with Scarab. Best to be truthful with oneself. Survival in the new world must be earned. If Huber was to be a part of the next world, he would find a way to live. The shield above Jarr so cracked, raining mystic shards across the black stone surface. In quick succession, three meteors struck the tower, obliterating the structure and everyone inside. Scarab sighed. It was necessary, but he had hoped for more resolve from a warrior cultist. The deep thud of boots slapped against stone, heralding the new arrival. The heavy wooden door to Scarab's workshop cracked and splintered as magic tore it from its hinges. Golden fire danced between the fingers of the warlock who stared at Scarab from beneath a heavy bush of eyebrows. The door was open, Hargreave, Scarab said, resting his elbows on the balcony's railing while he stared down at the dying plague. The meteor thumps against the shield above grew stronger. Soon, even Fansor would need abandoned. You maniac! Do you realize what you've done? Just now, or sometime earlier, you should narrow your timeline before accusing me. Your wit won't save you this time, Hargreave said as he laid a hand on Scarp's shoulder. The intent being to turn him around, but at the slightest sense of pressure, Scarp grabbed the offending wrist, spun, and dislocated Hargreave's elbow with a stiff blow to the joint. As Hargreave's brain was telling him to scream, Scarp slapped him with a backhand, splattering blood across a worn tapestry of the living rivers. Hargreave landed, his face smearing more blood against thick, splintered planks of wood a century old. Scarab looked down at the writhing man and sighed, a breathy, audible sound that ended with a roll of his eyes. <sighs> Weakling. There was little left to see from the balcony, so Scarab left the destruction behind and stepped over the crying heap of uselessness. The plagues, still dedicated to their duty, left a tray of cheeses and warm bread, but Scarab reached for the decanter of red wine instead. Now what is it I've done that has you in a lather? The wine lacked body and texture, while attempting to overcome its faults with an overbearance of honey. There was a time Scarab would have poured the wine out and punished those who produced it. But things as they were, this may be the last decanter of wine in all Sal Norans. You shattered my arm! <sighs> be glad, that's all. The wine stirred a hunger in his belly, so he piled a cut of cheese onto a torn end of bread. <laughs> I'm a crown judge and arbiter! <laughs> You're not hanged for this! Or a seal drawn! <laughs> Quartered! And fed to the swine! Hargreave managed to spit the words out between sobbing coughs. The strings of drool, however, were truly unbecoming. After they've defecated your remains! Enough! Scarped grabbed the crown judge by what little remained of his hair and dragged him back onto the balcony. 
There was no threat in the struggle he put up. Hargreave worked harder on what he consumed than on his physical form. Clutching a handful of Hargreave's ample cheeks, Scarped forced the man's gaze onto the destruction outside. Look at it. Your folly, Hargreave, is believing that your title still carries weight. Was this your plan? Destroy the world to rule the ashes? My plan. Scarab let go and pulled out a handkerchief to wipe the man's drool from his hand. Are you under the impression that this madness was my doing? You spoke to Margaris about this very idea. Spoke to Ansel and finally attempted to gain admittance to the council. Hargreave pushed himself to his feet, pressing his back against the rail while beginning a flicker of his fingers to mend the shattered elbow. There will be none of that. The incantation stopped as Scarab snapped the man's fingers and tossed him back into the room. Allow me to dispel any false belief and conjecture. While I discovered the celestial element and devised a way to turn it into a weapon against the Senethiel, the execution of the concept was sloppy. Scarab poured another cup of wine, swirling the red liquid so it sloshed over the edge. Mistakes were made, and I do not make mistakes. Don't lie! You did this to curry favor and raise your pathetic cast of Falchieri back to council status. Hargreaves spoke through clenched teeth, making the words difficult to discern. I would now very much like to know who had access to my work, Scarab said in a soft voice as he placed the wine cup back on the table. Last decanter of wine or not, each sip of this was a crime. A broad-shouldered man stepped through the smoking ruin of the workshop's door. His face was heavily tattooed, except for the stark white around his eyes that set the black pupils apart. Tori looked first to Scarab, and then Hargreave. He coughed a sound meant to be a laugh as he kicked a piece of door aside. Jocko said our wards are failing. Jaraso is already gone. I'm aware. Scarab answered as he gathered a small box from the cabinet over his desk. I watched it fall. Tori answered as he looked at the open balcony that faced it. Tori, help me! Hargreave cried, beseeching the newcomer. Tori laughed again. <laughs> Tell Jocko to leave the ward. Gather the others and bring them to the catacombs. Earn him. Kill him. He'll interfere with what we need to do. Tori cracked his knuckles as he walked towards Hargreave. Scarab did not remain to watch. The Grand Tower of Fansor shook under the impact of a large moon rock. Dust swirled as mortar showered the curving stairwell. A few more strikes in the wards would crack whether Jacko minded them or not. A pair of pleagues, one man and one woman, waited beside the stairs and stretched a thin red blanket over his head as he began to walk down. Dutiful, even to the end. The Archipelagans, when caught young enough, were easy to mold into slaves. But slave was too unsavory a word. Plague had a nicer sound, a dehumanizing sound. Or so someone thought a few generations back. The Cloquier brought new Archipelagan children to the cities every day, creating an abundance of plagues that some feared would turn against them when really it was their own hubris destroying them. 
The sound of raining stone upon the fabric was a distraction from his thoughts, so Scarab flicked his hand, dismissing the pleagues. Thoughts were important. Next steps required careful planning. Hargreave didn't come to his assumptions alone. Someone planted that seed and sent him along to, what, incite a reaction? Or discover if Scarab were truly behind the debacle? The castes of Salnorans were ever locked in a silent war with one another. The end of their world would have no effect on that. Open it, Scarab commanded, sending the pleagues ahead to pull the stone floor apart. The catacombs ran beneath the skeletal remains of old Salnorans, buried under the thin flesh of progress. The outer layer was in the process of being scoured clean, but the catacombs deep within the bedrock would be their lifeboat. Miles of dark tunnels and arching chambers could sustain the people of the city a thousand times over, if only they had prepared for such an event. Stone scraped as the pleagues looped chains through divots and yanked the slab floor free. When the dust settled, Scarab pushed past the two and descended the hidden staircase, deep into the bowels of the world until even the stone smelled of rot. A few additional turns through blind hallways, and the shift of a hidden stone door led him where he needed to go. His familiarity with the catacombs came from a lifetime of navigating them with his mother. of the I, greatest prophet of her name, became obsessed with the destruction of Salnorans after a nightmare vision lasting three days. She sold everything of value and took her son into the sewers, searching for an entrance to the lost world below. When she found it, she locked him in, forcing him to learn every stone, every corner, every secret. Scarab adapted to the pitch-black world, becoming fluent in the language of the catacombs. It was an entirely new world, and it was all his. Imagining himself an adventurer, Young Scarab found the most amazing chambers and lost tomes of the early Decrow. Did his mother know that sending him deep underground would lead him to the very thing that ended the world? Best not to wander into the hornet's nest. The voice was high-pitched, childlike. The man who stepped from the shadows looked anything but. One look at the black cloak of fur and feather draped over his shoulders marked him as a cloakier, one of the catchers. I don't believe we're acquainted. Spiro, he said with a mockery of a bow. The noise of crowd babble rose from the chamber beyond. Music, cheering, and singing. The hornet's nest. Yes, thank you for the warning. Scarp continued into the chamber, finding what remained of the decrow in Salnorans. How many? Three hundred? Three hundred and fifty? Twice that number in pleagues. Standing silent, awaiting commands, the decrow engaged in debaucherous celebration. Tables filled with food, kegs of ale and wine, and at the center, the judges, pompous authoritarians. Close by were the other castes, the cloakier, the necromongers, the warrior cult, and the philistines. Other minor castes, almost all represented here except for his. The Falchieri, visionaries, explorers. Scarab never cared for the nomenclature, if only for the stigma it carried with it. I focus, should rest, uh, and what we'll need to eat. 
Basto, young in years but shrewd enough to situate himself at the head of the Philistines, slurred his words from deep within his cups, and beside him, Margaris, the quiet thinker. Scarp respected her above all others in their caste, and perhaps even feared her. No, said Algrathan, crowned judge and renowned lackey of the judge above all. It is our sworn duty to solve the last crime against our people, for it was surely one of us who brought this madness down. The room quieted as Algrathan spoke. Everyone wanted to be able to blame someone for this. After Hargreaves' visit, it wouldn't be long until Algrathan whispered Scarab's name into someone's ear. And then, how long until they settled on his head? He would avoid that fade as fervently as he should have avoided this chamber. If another route to the lower level remained open, he could have. But the south tunnels were now flooded, and the red rock tunnel collapsed. To get what he needed, he would need to navigate these dangerous political waters. The poor planning was his. He had not expected the judges to move so quickly. Yet it was not impossible to achieve. All eyes remained on the center, and no one acknowledged his entrance. Moving slowly, he could skirt the outside, somewhere between the decrow and Pleegs, then slip into the shadows beyond. A waste of time! We must take care to survive! Basto was not letting it go. The food stores will barely feed a hundred of us. I count a thousand in this room alone. And here we are, feasting. The truth of the statement was undercut as he gnawed on a roast leg of duck. And what would you have us do? The lower castes screamed their thoughts. Scarab ignored them as he moved, step by step, avoiding eye contact. The screams rose as hands slapped tables. The good cheer faded. Scarab quickened his pace, still unseen. Except he wasn't. Margaris locked eyes with him, a cool smile spreading across her lips. It made him pause and consider what she might know. Ah, Scarab, a voice called out, silencing all others. Even the music stopped. How good of you to join us. We would all love to hear the views of the Falkieri. Yingsen, judge above all, commanded respect, even in this new world where traditional society fell apart. Nestled between larger bodyguards, the diminutive leader had been easily overlooked. The decrow standing between Scarab and Yingsen parted providing a clear lane to step forward and kiss the rings, which Yingsen now presented. Scarab would be in the center of the room, all eyes upon him. Molten fire burned in his gut, ignited by the knowledge that there was no way out. Running would prove guilt where none existed. Fighting was folly, with three hundred sorcerers standing against him. His mother's voice spoke in his mind. Remain calm. Even when the world around you burns, even when they have you cornered, always remain calm. Scarab walked forward, without a care in the world, and kissed the rings. I'm not as good with numbers as young Basto or his Philistines, but the current situation is not as dire as believed. There are ample plagues available to scavenge the city, and if some die, 
the problem begins to solve itself. Ah, sound counsel, Yingsen proclaimed. You see, a fresh set of eyes is always best when solving a conundrum. Wouldn't you agree, Hargreave? The gathered de Crow looked for the Arbiter, who would be eternally absent. Yingsen never took his focus from Scarab. That the judge above all would be the one who sent Hargreave conjured a mix of emotions. It made sense. Yingsen commanded the power to issue such an order, but if he was choosing to move openly against the Falkieri, Scarab would have already been in chains. No, the order would have been whispered. A suggestion of an idea that passed on until it reached Hargreave. Foolish, impetuous, pompous Hargreave. Questions upon questions assaulted his mind, a labyrinth of dark corridors leading only to more doorways. Had Hargreave been bait, killing him didn't necessitate guilt of the cataclysm, but the death of an arbiter would make the idea easier to swallow for unswayed judges. Yingsen's demeanor suggested he wanted to hang this disaster on the Falkieri, but not that he was the one who caused the cataclysm. What Scarab wanted to know now, needed to know, whether he was walking his own path or one laid out for him. And who, outside of the judges, did Yingsen have with him? Have you seen Hargreave? Yingsen asked. I have had no business with the Arbiter. Simple answer, and one that should force a more illuminating response. I understood that he was on his way to see you. It's dangerous in the ruins. Perhaps he fell before reaching me. A terrible loss, if that's what happened. Yingsen squinted, his body language suggesting the tension he carried. A coiled viper wanting to strike, but unable to move. If he was uncertain of Hargreave's fate, it removed a number of names from the list of those who would see him hang. Not enough. I suggest you return to your tower and await him. Yingsen flicked his left hand, a gesture unworthy for a decrow caste leader, unworthy even for dismissing a plague. If only I could, Scarab said with a bow of his head. Vansor and Jarso have both fallen. A shocked gasp rippled through the gathered remnants. Losing two of the remaining Grand Towers was enough to elicit such a response. Scarab's mother would have laughed. True history was never above, but below. Yes, a sad day, Yingsen nodded. Perhaps, as you solved our ration crisis so eloquently, you could put your mind toward who caused this madness, whose plan it was. Unable to hang him with Hargreave, the judge above all wasted no time in bringing another noose to bear, one harder to evade. Too many in the room knew of his involvement, that he brought the idea to the ruling council. They dismissed it with mocking laughs, yet somehow still it came to pass. How many on the council were involved? Who here knew, but remained silent for fear of incriminating themselves? Wasn't it you who proposed this? Aldor said as he looked at Scarab, his dull eyes blinking as he worked so very hard on trying to connect the words that came out of his mouth with actual thoughts. 
poor, dull-witted Aldor. Master of the warrior cult he may be, but also slow of thought and gullible to the suggestions of others. Yingsen smiled, happy that his bitter fruit took hold in the loose soil of Aldor's mind. Yes, as I recall, you did bring this to us, and we forbade it. I'm as surprised as you, Scarab answered. Perhaps someone on the council- You dare to accuse the council of this? Yingsen looked around, gathering support from those who stayed silent. No, this is your doing, Scarab. In your rash desire to re-elevate the Falkieri, you enacted a plan that doomed us all. I have not. Scarab said, knowing no words would remove the suspicion now heaped upon his shoulders. Aldor, have your men remand Scarab into custody until we can further ascertain the details of his treachery. With pleasure. Three hulking warrior cultists approached, placing a dark sack over Scarab's head while binding his arms with manacles. It was not at all how he wanted this day to go. Counter-recitation choked the voice into silence. Still the heart gather the blood. The fear is the insidious force of manipulation. The innocent are the price to pay for all. Thank you for listening to part one of The Grummerand. Please join us next time for part two. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment. For additional updates, follow our website at www.dstierney.com or on Twitter at dstierney1. If you'd like to help support and see the podcast grow, consider joining the Terror Guard Tales community on patreon.com slash terrorguardtales. Terror Guard Tales, all characters, locations, stories, and content are copyright 2019 and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.